Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. So Amazon caused an earthquake in the pharmacy business by announcing something that, gosh, people knew this was going to come for a long time, the Amazon online pharmacy. Amazon, in addition to launching an online pharmacy, now has also put together a network of 50,000 plus physical locations of pharmacies that you can go to as well. So medicines can either be filled with Amazon two-day delivery for free for Prime members. It's another thing Amazon's doing to try to attract Prime members. And you also have the ability to go to their network of pharmacies. And so as a result, the stock of Rite Aid fell off a cliff, Walgreens fell off a hill, and CVS took a bit of a bump too, the wrong way. And the reason is, is that these three chains have various levels of vulnerability because of pricing issues and lack of convenience. And so Amazon being able to sell you prescription drugs and send them to you with the two-day delivery or when you need them quicker, go to one of the participating pharmacies, is a stake right in the heart of these three national chains that are not discounters. You know, Amazon identifies over time businesses where prices are inordinately high, unusually high. And the chain pharmacies historically have been extremely expensive to do business with. As I've shared with you in the past, when you compare the cost of prescriptions at the three big pharmacy chains versus independents, surprisingly many times, normally, you know, a small independent business will be more expensive than doing business with a chain. But in the pharmacy business, independents many times are cheaper. And then Costco is unbelievably cheaper for prescription drugs. Now, nothing about what Amazon is doing will take them down to price points like Costco for prescription drugs. But what Amazon's offering is more transparent pricing and the ability to just order online and have the meds delivered to you. Now, it's not as easy if you're an Amazon Prime member is going to the app for Amazon or going to Amazon's website, signing in as a Prime member, which is, this is all really about 
getting prime members to fill medicines this way, although you don't have to be a prime member for part of what they're doing. And it's not like just going to Amazon and buying a normal item. You have to fully do a new registration with Amazon. If you have a pharmacy benefit, you have to link it to it. Although Amazon is also offering uh, what they say are 80% discounts, who knows, on generics, which most prescriptions filled are generics, for people who don't have prescriptions. We'll see if that really is a true big savings or not with time. But if you are a Prime member, Amazon has a whole separate operation you go to, Amazon.com slash PrimeRx. I registered for it. The sign-up registration took me about seven minutes, I guess, seven or eight minutes to register. And what I did not see that I was looking for was a clear pricing guide for specific medicines. I'm going to play more with the tool later and see if I can find my way to that. But that's one of the advantages that GoodRx offers people. GoodRx stock, by the way, took a big dive after Amazon's announcement. But with GoodRx, you're able to put in the name of a med, the dosage you take, and the number of pills you want to get. Typically, the real deals are for people buying 30 or 90. And you're able to see instantly a price survey of prices at many different places that you can fill that met. I was expecting that I would see immediate price transparency when I had set up my account and went to look at meds. That didn't happen, and maybe that's something that is a feature that will come later. But I can tell you Amazon, when they go into a new business, makes a big splash like they did in the media and the stock market. But it's a while before people start using a new Amazon service in big numbers. But I can tell you they will have a huge effect on how people fill meds and bring more pricing competition into a marketplace that has certainly needed it. It's time for your questions. You posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. And Kim, what you got? Today, the first up is Wanda from Florida. And Wanda says, I collected unemployment and also got the extra $600, but I also have Obamacare health insurance. Because I made more than I expected, will I have to pay back my insurance credit? Not the entire credit. It is a sliding scale based on income, and you can see how that works if you go back to healthcare.gov. So what happens when you sign up for a plan at healthcare.gov, they give you a formula you go through where you self-report income. And then if your income turns out to be greater than that later, then it changes the subsidy you were eligible for. And if you end up with much higher income than expected, it can completely eliminate the subsidy on premiums. And they'll show you what the premium is for the plan you're on 
without any subsidy, and then it'll show you what subsidy you qualified for, net that out from the premium, and show you what you have due. If you end up with the unexpected circumstance of higher income, then the subsidy shrinks and then ultimately evaporates depending on how much additional income you have. And usually that is dealt with at the time you do your income tax return the following year. Although you can go ahead and see at healthcare.gov how it will play out. Joel? Clark Ram in Washington says, I'm told that Policy Genius is offering a service to prepare trusts and wills for people. Have you looked into this and, and what are your thoughts on it? One problem I came across was that you have to input your data on a phone through the Policy Genius app and not on a web page. Other than that, it looks great though. So it's, oh, it's actually usually more safe or safer to do this kind of thing on an app than to do it on a laptop or desktop. Um, the app will tend to be a more secure source. Now, the thing with Policy Genius, with the wills and the trusts, is it's similar to what you would have using the software that I've recommended over the years, Willmaker, but it's significantly more expensive than something like Willmaker and looks like it's more designed to compete with uh, another provider, LegalZoom, in terms of pricing. You do not have a lawyer involved in the process unless you pay substantially extra. They say that the the wills and the trusts were prepared by lawyers, obviously, that's how they all work, but you don't have access to one and you are paying 120 bucks for a will, 280 for a trust. The problem when you get into trusts is it typically means somebody has a more complicated situation and doing your own trust arrangements makes me very nervous. Um, as far as doing your own will, you need to have a really simple situation without any family complications, owning your own business, anything like that before you do your own will. There are a huge number of people who are fine doing their own will, but be careful because there are circumstances where a will can be fully legally executed but not do the things you intend. If you get confused at any time using Policy Genius, Legal Zoom, using Willmaker, that's the point at which you punt to going to a lawyer to do a will. Kim? Sarah in Oklahoma says, why are Credit Karma scores so different than the score that the bank actually pulls? My score was almost 70 points lower at the bank, and thus I was offered a much higher rate than I thought I would qualify for. In the future, how can I know my real score so I can be more accurately knowledgeable and prepared? Is there an equation I can use to convert a Credit Karma score to what the bank is pulling? Wonderful question. Let me explain something that makes people's eyes glaze over. So Credit Karma has two of the three bureaus and has approximate scores for two of the three. Using an underlying technology from the three major credit bureaus, a, a, um, a company they own that generates something called a Vantage score. The Vantage score is more volatile than a FICO score, which is... FICOs are 
what are considered to be the real scores because almost all lenders only use FICO scores. And so what you're getting with Credit Karma is you're getting a general direction. And in your case, it was a 70-point difference. In my case, there's a minimal difference, and actually my FICO score, in my case, is higher than the scores generated on Credit Karma, and it all depends on how you mix in with the criteria being used. To know better generally what your FICO score is, the credit cards you have typically offer you up-to-the-minute FICO scores for free if you sign into your credit card account with the bank you have your credit card from. Not all offer this, but it's a very common thing. And you can click and you can see your their version of your FICO score. And that will get you much closer. But it's very unusual, it can happen, that you would have a gap as large as 70 points. And I'm sorry to hear that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And Jason... You are the rare individual who's migrating from the worst workplace retirement plan anybody could ever dread having to the best that's available. What an odd switch for you. Tell me about it. True, true. Um, However, you know, I don't think my 403B is that bad. And so that's why I'm calling. I want to get your take on it. All right, so you're moving from a hospital system or nonprofit or a teacher? Yeah, I'm moving from a nonprofit and I'm taking a job with the federal government. And I have a 403B um, with my previous employer, and I have the option to keep it there, move it to an IRA, or possibly move it into the uh, TSP. So, one thing you got to know is with that. Uh, 403B you have, you may have some of the money in there subject to surrender period. Do you know what surrender period is? You know what I mean when I say that? Uh, no. I've, you know, I've worked there for 12 years, so would that uh, have any impact on it? Well, this is how that plays. So one of the things that makes uh, 403B such a horrendous, rotten, terrible deal is that the insurance company is allowed under federal law to impose a giant penalty on you if you move the money within a certain number of years. And depending on the trashy 403B, it can be as long as a 15-year window. So it's possible all the money you have there is still subject to a giant surrender charge moving it elsewhere. So the plan must disclose to you in writing, and if you ask the question, they must supply it to you in writing, what if your money is subject to surrender charge and when the surrender charge ends? So if the surrender charge is uh, mostly gone and if the remaining surrender charge is less than 2% of the balance of the money that's still there, you want to migrate that money to the TSP if the TSP will accept 
the incoming transfer. Because okay. I see who your TSP, who your 403B is with, and mm-hmm. they are they are a high cost provider. You're paying a lot of costs you don't even know you're paying. Really. So getting out from under them, your costs when you go into the TSP may be as little as one one hundredth of what you're paying now. Wow. Wow. Okay, so just try to migrate that to the TSP and not put it into an individual IRA. With, right, because uh, the TSP cards. will have lower costs than virtually any IRA that exists. TSP okay. is, I mean, it's incredible how good the TSP is, but it's really key that you find out surrender charge. Because well, if, you've, if you owe a giant surrender charge, you got to let the clock run. You don't contribute any more money to that 403B, and as you can migrate money out, you do. Now, you may find that what you have to do is set up an IRA if you have a lot of money subject to surrender charge, but other money is not yet, and the surrender charge is too high a burden, that you do, in fact, not do the TSP. You set up an IRA with one of the low-cost providers, and you move the money to that IRA as it's no longer under surrender charge. Because 12 years, you may have a portion of your money not subject to surrender charge. Other money that is, you could go ahead and move the money that's not subject to surrender. And I hope with a new Congress coming in in January that hope springs eternal in me, that eventually they will end this corruption involved with these 403B plans that destroy the retirement security of teachers, hospital workers, and those at nonprofits. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. Clark Deals, we're working around the clock right now, bringing you the latest, greatest deals that are very confusing to people how the sales are working for this Christmas shopping season. And we lay it out for you, deals to the moment, and the best deals coming, where and what day and what hour of that day They'll be available is there for you at Clark Deals. So the 737 MAX now is green-lighted in much of the world to go back into service. The FAA in the United States has just done so. And my wife's reaction immediately was, we're not going on one of those, are we? And I said, Honey, we're not going anywhere by airplane right now anyway, so what difference does it make? Well, there are lots of people who actually are traveling, much less than normal, but there are people flying, and the MAX will start going up in the air with U.S. carriers probably in December. American was the first a while back to load MAX flights into their computer system, taking reservations for flights 
on the max for next month. And my thing about it, what Boeing did was reckless, cost people their lives on two flights with horrific final minutes of those flights, and it was absolute negligence or worse on the part of Boeing that they cheaped out, they lied, and they put planes in the air that insiders knew were unsafe. And no wonder people would be frightened of getting on these planes. But the process that has taken place and the hyper-scrutiny of safety regulators here in the United States and around the world and the required changes that Boeing had to make make me feel very confident that the plane will be very safe to go on and when I do start flying again, I will have no concern about getting on a MAX. There's a meaningful percent of people polling I've seen shows roughly a third who will not fly on one, at least for now. And that will be your choice. But you're going to have to look to see if you're really on a MAX or not if you're flying on a 737. Because airlines are doing a lot of sneaky things to try to make it not obvious that you're on a max one they're changing safety cards where the in seat back safety cards are having the word max deleted from them a number of airlines are changing the designator for the max to 737-8 which means nothing to people and it's just a different way of giving the plane a name that will not have the name Max in it. If you go to book, though, on third-party booking sites or on airline sites themselves, you should see that it will say, when you look at aircraft type, it will say Max. But if you do see 737-8, that is a fake way of hiding that you're on a Max. But for me... I have no concern about getting on that airplane after everything that's happened in these almost last two years to investigate and figure out how to make the plane safe again. Well, it never was safe. To make it safe for the first time to fly on. I also wanted to mention there's been a lot of confusion about the lifting of the restrictions on you flying to Hawaii. Um, Hawaii is open again for tourists from the other 49 states, but it requires a procedure that your best way of following it is to follow the guidance of the airline you booked with. But this is how it plays, is that you book a flight to Hawaii on whoever you're flying on, and then they have recommended testing facilities where you have to get a coronavirus test done less than 72 hours before you're departing and get the results back before you depart which is why it's specialized labs involved you will have a special document that you download i've been reading in uh, reports that you have to show your proof 
over and over and over again. And if you get, let's say you fly from the mainland to Honolulu, and then you take an inter-island flight, you have to show it all your proof again when you go inter-island. You have to show it when you get to the hotel where you're staying or check in for a condo or whatever. You may have to show it upon arrival at an airport, not just at departing for that airport. So that document is key because if you at any point lose it or if they decide they don't like your documentation, you get to Hawaii and then you are put under house arrest for 14 days. Many times your trip won't even be 14 days long. And how do they do house arrest? You are um, restricted to the dwelling you have rented or the hotel you're staying at to your room. You're not allowed to leave to go get food. You're not allowed to leave to go to the beach. Nothing. So that's why I want you, if you are going to Hawaii, to follow the testing procedure that the airline you're taking over water has set up. The testing will be expensive. It's typically going to be 250 or so dollars per person for the test that is recognized by the authorities in Hawaii. The advantage of the way Hawaii is handling it is they have the least amount of coronavirus of any of the 50 states, and they want to keep it that way. It's time for your questions. You posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate, and I forget whose turn it is. Clark, I'm up, and Carolyn in Florida's got a question. She says, a few months ago you mentioned a video security item that worked much like Ring, but I didn't have the, but I didn't have the monthly monitoring service attached. It was a self-installed video security that homeowners could, could do themselves. Uh, what's the name of that system, and then can you tell me more about it too? Sure. It's called WISE, and WISE has a series of products available. They used to have just one camera. Now they've got the WISE robot vacuum. Uh, that's $199. They've got a, a bunch of different cameras. They have the new uh, WISE cam version 3 that starts at 20 bucks, depending on where you buy it. It can be indoors or outdoors. They have a WISE camera that pans. That's 30 bucks. They have one that's designed for heavy-duty outdoor use. That's the Wise Cam Outdoor, fifty bucks. And then again, they've got a bunch of other things. One of the things they're also adding is an electronic doorbell. You know, a camera doorbell that does not require a monthly monitor either. So their thing is to be, and their video doorbell. I should mention. Is $29. You think about how much these video doorbells are, and they're selling one for 29 bucks. So the Wise uh, products are Me Too's. They wait to see that something is successful in the marketplace instead of creating a new product category, and then they make it much cheaper than other people do. With um, the various products... They will sell you and try to encourage you, with many of them, to buy ongoing additional costly services. But pretty much everything they have will work even just at the price you buy it without paying a monthly subscription. Kim? 
Oh, and I should have said oh. it's wise, W-Y-Z-E oh, good dot call. com. Yes, yes. All right. So this is from Melissa in North Carolina. Melissa says, I researched different credit cards and I found what seemed like the best one for me. I applied and I was approved. When I got the card in the mail, the list of rewards were different than what was listed on their website at the time of my approval. I have not yet activated the card, so I want to know what happens if I don't activate it? Can I send it back to them? And in either of these situations, sending it back or just not activating it, what does it do to my credit score? Wonderful question. You've already had the hard hit on your credit from having applied for it. There was a bait and switch. Uh, what they offered you in the mailer or online, which you saw the benefits were, and then what came with the card. So what I would do first is I would call them and see if maybe they sent you the wrong card for the offer that you had applied for. If it's just, ah, well, we change the terms and conditions and bonuses at any time. If the card has no annual fee, keep it because you've already had the inquiry it will actually over time raise your score by having more available credit and use it occasionally just so you keep it active in your credit mix because that's the second most important category that makes up your credit score but it is really underhanded to make an offer to somebody with a series of benefits and then by the time you get the card saying, oh, no, we don't offer any of those things. That's why I'd make the phone call to see if maybe they made a mistake at their end instead of just trying to bait and switch you. Joel? Clark Spencer in Arizona says, I've heard you talk about not being able to deduct a home office on your taxes unless you're an independent contractor. I am currently a W-2 employee, but I've recently learned that my company will be closing our office location permanently. Because of this, I'll now be working fully remotely. I only use my office during normal working days and hours. Given my situation, am I able to claim these expenses on my taxes or do the same rules still apply? So it used to be you would be able to claim it. I'm not a CPA who does tax, but as I have researched this and understand it, even in the circumstance you named, because you're a W-2 employee, my understanding is you cannot deduct that at all. But this is one of those cases where it would be really useful for you to talk with an enrolled agent, that's somebody who's registered with the IRS to do tax work, or with a CPA who does tax, because there's going to be an ongoing thing for you. And if I'm wrong and there is a provision in which you could qualify, it would be great for you to know that. The worst that happens is you have to pay for a little clock time to verify that what I've said to you is correct, that you cannot deduct it as a W-2 employee. And know this, things like this with home office deductions and other things are moving targets. And even though the law, as I interpret it, is not favorable to you now, it could certainly change later. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. 
Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ryan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Ryan, you've got a puzzle. You've got lots of pieces you haven't been able to put in place yet. Tell me what you're thinking of doing next spring. Yeah, so... Coming up in April of 2021, I have a cruise booked, and I need to find a way to get myself uh, over to the actual port of uh, departure. So I'm needing to book airfare in order to get to the cruise. I was wondering what your thoughts are in this era of booking airfare with regards to a cruise. Well, you got too many moving parts here because... The cruise lines now aren't going to start sailing again till an undetermined date next year. Even though they're publishing cruise schedules, they're taking money from people. We don't know these cruises are going to happen. So normally with airfare, I go through like a series of challenge questions with somebody to see if it makes sense to go ahead and book airfare for something that's like months and months away, like your situation. Until it's more clear whether that cruise is going to go, the only way I'd book uh, your air travel is if you can book with points that you can redeposit, you know, frequent flyer points that you can redeposit, no harm, no foul. If later the cruise doesn't take place, you're not there with money on the line for an airline ticket. Would the same apply if it is? I'm trying to think the best way to say it is without saying the brand name. Go ahead and the say it. Not, uh, it's Chase Sapphire Ultimate Reward Points. So they're not brand specific. Yeah, it's, so with those, what they do is they take your points and they book air travel for you. And the rules that the airline has for that travel then step into place. It's not the okay. same as if you had uh, points directly with an airline. So... Uh, unless Chase is doing something specifically that has made points used for booking air travel something that's redeposited free of fee, then that's no different really than booking air travel. And in fact, using um, independent credit card points may be inferior to booking a ticket with an airline in many cases. Hmm. So I would say that even though you're going to get a typically a better deal on airfare booking much further out, I don't know in this case I would do it unless, mm-hmm. let's say, okay, if the cruise doesn't happen, if the mm-hmm. cruise line ends up canceling the cruise, would you still want to fly to wherever that cruise is going to leave from and just do a different kind of vacation in that area? Never really gave it much thought, to be honest with you. Um, what port is the port of departure? San Diego, California. Oh, man, what a great town. I don't know if you've spent any time in San Diego. It's a great part of the country. It's been a long time since I've been to San Diego. So if you were to book using your Chase points and the cruise goes deep six, uh, 
there are worse things that could happen than having vacation time in San Diego and in its environs. Just a, just true. a crazy thought that had not occurred to you. Yeah, I mean, I know that if the cruise cancels, um, I will most likely take whatever enhanced future cruise credit they offer because I'm a big cruiser. Um, so it'd have to be coming up with additional sources of funding in order to get myself out to San Diego if that were to happen. Got it. Got it. So hold off for now. All and right, let's see what good. happens after the first of the year to see if the cruise lines really do start having passengers on their ships from U.S. ports and then make that call on the airline ticket because I just don't think it's a good call right now to do that because we just don't know how that's going to play. And I hope you get to go. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.